Welcome to the Brain Trust Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bloomfield. Whether you're a leader, a coach, a salesperson, or even a parent, this podcast focuses on how to leverage the science of decision-making to help you become a more impactful communicator and a driving force for change. Today, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, change. Now, if I were to if, if you have both hands on the wheel and you're driving right now, please don't do this with both hands. But with one hand, show of hands out there in podcast listening land, how many of you would say you love change? I can almost hear the roar of people cheering through the microphone that love change. Of course, we don't love change. Now, some of you might say that you do like change. But if I ask you the question, what if you didn't get to choose the change? I'm forcing that change on you. Does that change the way you feel about change? Of course it does. So as human beings, we are all control freaks. We, we like to control our environment. We like to control what's happening next. We like to know and predict uh, the outcome before we step into something. And if you go back to the neuroscience of this, why? Because we are all uh, self-preservation animals who are trying to limit risk. So the more control we have over our environment, the more we're able to limit risk. So if, if I'm going to change, I want to choose it because that gives me the control, which then all my positive confirmation bias is like choice supportive uh, theory come in where I said, okay, I've made the choice to change, so therefore it had to be a good change. Now, our customers are being asked to change, aren't they? Isn't that the number one job of, of, of salespeople is to solve a problem to convince a customer to change? It really comes down to getting people to change. And what happens when we're feeling forced to change is it triggers all of that brain chemistry that we talked about in a previous episode. And if you think about it right now, what's been some of the hardest seasons of your life? And start to think about some of the hardest changes that you've had to walk through. And yes, change in in neurochemistry spikes in the moment, but it also builds up over time based on how much change that, that we have to go through. I remember one time back in my corporate days, we uh, took a promotion and we had to move out to San Francisco. And if you've ever moved across country, you can only imagine uh, what that change does to the stress levels on yourself and your entire family. So now add into that all these different things that might be happening in your life and start to think about what's going on in your brain relative to change. You're constantly looking at self-preservation, self-preservation. So what I want to talk about today are the barriers to change and specifically the barriers our customers are going through while we're asking them to change that you need to be aware of uh, while you're communicating with them. Now, when I ask you to change or try to convince you to change, the very first thing that happens in your brain is your, your cortisol spikes. And you remember from the Brain Chemistry of Trust podcast episode, That's your stress chemical, your stress hormone, because your cortisol spiking, your anxiety triggers, uh, your adrenaline goes up, your cortisol spikes, because you're trying to figure out self-preservation. What does this mean to me? And you don't perceive me as being an ally at that point. You perceive me as being a threat. So when you're trying to convince me to change, the cortisol that you're spiking in me is not the good kind at the good level that's allowing me to focus my attention. It's actually triggering all of that fear and all that self-preservation. So just know that the first barrier is that your customers are going to feel anxiety and stress. The second barrier when you're trying to convince your customer, or more importantly, they perceive that you're trying to convince them to change, is they're going to feel isolated. They're going to feel alone. Uh, Again, it goes back to that self-preservation. We don't necessarily look around and see that there's all these other people that are being asked to change, and we don't really care that you have stories about all these customers 
who have already changed, when we're feeling forced to change, it's threat DEFCON 5. And we perceive that as we're isolated and we have to put our head down and figure out a way to plow through and either get you out of my office or get through this as quickly as possible. The third barrier when we're feeling forced to change is this weird thing that happens inside of us is we feel like we have to give up something. That change is going to cause us to lose something. And we do some fun exercises in our live sessions around this. And it's so interesting to me that the people always perceive change that's being forced on them as negative. So they feel like they're going to lose. All the questions around this is, why is this going to hurt me? Why is this going to be negative? It's not, hey, what do I stand? This is great. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see all the great things I'm going to gain from this change. That's not our instinct. And our instincts are driven, again, by the biology of self-preservation. We feel like we're going to lose. Your customer's initial response is going to be, what will I lose if I choose this solution or this product? The fourth barrier to change is we can only take, as human beings, so much change at one time. Time after time after time, I see salespeople who have a great solution or a great product go in talk about that great solution and that great product ad nauseum, almost as if they just, un, just dumped the entire kitchen sink out on the customer's desk and try to explain every single great feature and benefit of it, and then walk them through how simple, and you can see my air quotes right now, how simple the change process is going to be when the customer knows better. They've been down this road before, and in their mind, they perceive you walking in with a big trench coat, opening it up, and showing you the variety of 8,000 watches you have on inside of each jacket and trying to get you to buy every single watch and do so in the moment right now. Again, it triggers all of this overwhelm feeling, and your self-preservation, your fight or flight, and the customer's mind will take place. Now, the last barrier I really want to talk about today is when the pressure to change is off, what happens to us as human beings? That's right. We tend to go right back to status quo. And really the enemy of our customers changing, the enemy of our, of our meeting our quota, the enemy of growth is actually status quo. It's not our competition. It's our customer doing nothing different after we've walked out of their office. And if you don't give them a compelling enough reason to change using a lot of the techniques that we teach, what happens is you feel really good about it. You, man, I nailed it. I gave, I gave every single feature and benefit that's in our sales uh, collateral, and I nailed it. I walked through every single page of our 25-page documentation of our amazing solution, and I could tell the customer, they nodded, and they nodded in agreement with every single page, and I nailed it. I can't wait to get the order. What happens? Day after day goes by, and they never call you back. Because the pressure to change was off. They didn't feel compelled or urgent enough about the problem to change. And so they're going to go right back to status quo. How do we know this? Because that's how you and I are, right? That's why the gym is full in January. But by March, it's pretty easy to access the equipment that you couldn't get on in January. The pressure to change those New Year's resolutions was off. And as time goes by, we go back to status quo. It happens to us over and over and over again. So the key for us as professional communicators is being able to create messaging that helps our customers understand, again, trust followed by enough stress or the right amount of stress to get them to see the problem as the problem. And again, in future podcast episodes, we're going to talk about how to actually apply a lot of the science into our messaging in order to get our customers to be excited about the change. 
So let me give you a, some practical application to take away from this whole idea of change and, and the barriers to change. Dr. B.J. Fogg, he founded the Persuasive Technology Lab out at Stanford University, and he created uh, what's called the Fogg Behavior Model. And what it does is it shows this great equation around um, what it takes to change. And he creates this change activation curve, if you will, where it's how motivated am I on, if you picture the, the y-axis, how motivated I am from low to high. And then on the x-axis, how hard or easy do you make it for me to change to what you're asking me to do? Uh, and obviously, if I have an awareness initially that I need to change or that there's a, there's a possibility of me changing, then start to do the equation. Am I motivated enough to change? And then if I am, do you make it really hard? Because if you do, I still won't change. But if you get this equation right, what happens is you can accelerate change faster. Let me give you a real-world practical example. Have you ever bought anything online? I'm sure that at this point you probably have. I remember a couple of Christmases ago, I needed to buy something for my wife for Christmas. And because I'm a cheapskate, I was trying to find it as inexpensively as possible. So I, I Googled and I searched around all these different sites. And lo and behold, I found it at a specific site. 20% cheaper than everywhere else. So I'm like, I am the man. And, and so I, I, I set up, I'm like dragging into the shopping cart. And the next thing is I said, check out. I click the checkout button. It says, well, you're going to have to set up an account. Like, okay, no problem. So I go through username, password, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, you know the, the routine. Set up an account. Great. Hit go. Guess what? My cart was empty. Are you kidding me? So then I had to go back and find it on their site again in my account now drag it back into the shopping cart, and then go to check out. As I went back to check out, it had a whole other series of questions that it had me at, it, to answer before I could actually check out and buy the product. And then it was going to export me out of there to another pay page. And I started finally, I was, I was thinking to myself, this is maddening. So guess what I did? I clicked out of that window. I went straight to Amazon Prime. I paid 20% more for the product, and I had it in two days. And it took me about 20 seconds. That's a perfect example of the change activation curve. Did I have a need? Yes, I was aware of a, of a need. I needed to change. I needed to buy something. Was I motivated? Yes, because I waited till last minute to buy this for my wife for Christmas. And then the first site made it extremely hard. So I fell well below the activation curve because their process was, was cumbersome. Amazon figured out that we have motivated people. Let's make it easy and everyone will buy. So my question to you as a salesperson is whether you're in B2B, which is business to business sales, or whether you're direct to consumer or B2C, is your audience motivated? And if they're not, how do you increase motivation? And then once you've got them motivated or you've attracted motivated buyers, how do you make the process to purchase your solution easy? This is a specific tool that you can use to help evaluate today. If you're getting customers to change, great. If you're having some difficulty getting them to change, possibly somewhere in the change activation curve, they're falling below the curve and it either needs better messaging for motivation or a better process for them to buy. I hope this has been helpful. Hi, my name is Sarah and I want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, 
avoiding, or seeking, feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.